Keeping up with the Joneses. Welcome to episode 208 of Keeping Up with the Joneses, where this week we're talking about inner healing and nasal congestion. Yes. Only for you, though. I don't have any nasal congestion. I know. I, and the sad thing is I don't really have nasal congestion. I just sound like I do. Well, didn't you just sneeze a second ago? No. Oh, I thought you did. Are you hearing <laughs> Spiritual sneezes. That must be what it was. Uh, you're hearing sneezes <laughs> in the spirit realm. Yep. I was thinking about our week this week. And while a lot happened, not a lot did. Yeah, it was just really full with lots of stuff to do not necessarily tons of exciting stuff you know what i think it is i think it's because we were on vacation last week yes that anytime you go back to work after being on vacation everything feels like right um a marathon it does because you were able to just lie in bed gloriously yes. and then maybe walk to the beach and get a coffee and eat handmade pizza, mm-hmm. donuts, and go home. And I have to say, it is a beautiful thing to be in this stage where all of your kids could get themselves breakfast on their own. So, like, you know, we could sleep until 8 or 8.30. I mean, it's it's positively late. Yeah, that is a glory stage. Yeah. I haven't seen them all afternoon. I came home from church, and I've been lying on the sofa, putzing around, and they've been upstairs putzing around. I'm like, I know there probably should be more, family engagement than this but i'm actually enjoying (laughs) the lack of it well tia has discovered some new art apps on her ipad and she's asked me if she can get a pencil for her ipad for christmas which she doesn't realize that's not going to work and because hers is too old right or maybe she does realize it's that's how it works and she's just playing the sweet naive innocent child and batting eyelids knowing that daddy's going to get her new Uh. ipad with a pencil (laughs) hi daddy um and then abby got some makeup and so she's uh changing her makeup several times a day which is adorable because she's so excited about it and it's really cute um you nearly had to borrow it this week this morning, yeah, I couldn't find my makeup. It had, I had brought it with me because I was uh, on Friday going from having a massage to meeting somebody for lunch. Uh, so yeah, don't feel sorry for me. Um, but I had brought it in the car and then I couldn't find it. It turns out, I guess I drive slightly aggressively and it had slid right up under the seat. And so that's why I couldn't see it. Slightly aggressively. Well, so I drive like I still live in Toronto, even though I, I live in Franklin, Tennessee. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, there's that whole thing of like, if it's possible to lose your salvation, I'll probably lose it while I'm driving. <laughs> Sorry. I was so excited yesterday. I thought I'd got to the root problem. We, I think we mentioned that we got given a sauna and there's six panels in the sauna and two of them weren't working. And one day while I was in the sauna, I was just looking at those two panels thinking, I wonder why they're not working. Like they, they, they look in good condition. And I had this sneaking suspicion that maybe a rodent had chewed through some of the 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 wiring of it in it, uh, its old house and so on friday night i took the sauna apart and what do you know my suspicions and as inspired by the holy spirit were correct yep i found all these chewed through wires so yep. i was like well this should be easy to fix just sure saturday just unwire everything go to home depot and buy some replacement wire and and i was worried i'd have to so solder 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 which i don't know how to do but thankfully i didn't and so anyway, I bought a new wire, came home. It took me a couple of hours to kind of dismantle everything, rewire all. And I was like, this should be great. And look at that. I've, I fixed it. And then I turned it on. Yeah. And then a part of the electricity in our house stopped working. 
Yeah, all of a sudden our TV and stuff wasn't working upstairs. Mm-hmm. And we were like, that's so weird. That's weird. Not even a little red light is on. Like, there's no power going to this and thing And then I start all. getting notifications from camera systems that are like, your camera's offline. And I'm like, I think I know what has happened. <laughs> and I went down and thankfully the fuse box, as we call it in Britain, or what do we call it in America? Break, breaker box. The breaker box had done its job and had tripped the breaker, and which meant our house didn't go on fire. But there was some suspicious plastic burning smell coming from the sauna. So it's like, I thought it was going to be straightforward, but apparently I'm foiled. Apparently you are not an electrician. However, you are a brilliant Bible teacher and we can hire an electrician. (laughs) I know, but I was quoting verses at it and the sauna wouldn't get fixed. I I just thought how difficult could it be? Just like swap this cable here, but you know. Yeah. Well, it's difficult enough that you require an education to be an electrician. (laughs) No, no. I'm not (laughs) suggesting that electricians are not skilled people. I just mean my particular problem was like, oh, this cable's broken if I replace that. That cable, it Ta-da! should work. Yeah, but I'm I'm foiled. I'm sad. foiled again. Very sad. Do you want to talk about the married couple sex talk this week? Sure. Parents, if you're listening to this podcast in a car, you might want to skip this chapter. Yeah, just just advance ahead. Yeah, so we uh, we do this every year. Actually, uh, sometimes we do it every two years, which is the case with this one. And we invite any year one or year two students and their spouses, whether they are on the school or not, uh, to attend what we call the married couple sex talk, which is quite exciting. <laughs> <laughs> exciting? I'm not sure if it's exciting or not. The, the reason we do this is you would imagine every married couple actually knows how to have sex because that's one of the perks of being married. But a recent research from a renowned urologist revealed Pretty much people are having terrible sex. And in the church, nobody talks about sex at all. Yeah, it's really sad. And if sex is a good thermometer for the quality of your marriage, which I think it is, I think it's strange that the church does nothing to help married couples have better sex. So we, it's not like we appointed ourselves, we'll we'll take up that mantle. It all kind of happened accidentally. We have for many, many years always done a sex talk for the people we're going to marry, if they wish. If So occasionally yep. we get asked to, to perform weddings, which is always a privilege to be asked. And as part of that, we ask, would you like a, a sex talk? And almost everybody says yes. And then there's times when there's people who are getting married and we might not be doing the wedding, but they would say, hey, we've heard you do sex talks. Could you do a sex talk for us? And we're always happy to do that. And again, you know, for those of you who are just thinking, why would you need a sex talk? It's not that difficult. The greatest example I've had of that is, you know, to people who don't think, you know, having great sex is, uh, needs practice. I think it was Dr. Um, what's his name? Kevin Lehman. Dr. Kevin Lehman, who, when people would say that in his office, he'd give the husband a violin and he'd give the wife a bow and just say, well, go play the violin. Like, it's not rocket science. It's just like rubbing that bow over those strings and right. you should be making Right. Everybody's music. seen people do that. Right. How, yeah. how difficult can it be? Yeah, yeah. And so that's one element to it. And then on our school, in the School of Supernatural Life, we do a whole week called Sexual Wholeness, which is basically a biblical perspective on sex and sexuality. And we talk all about uh, usually the brokenness that comes with the sinful perspective of sex, which is what most people have only ever encountered. And we do a lot of ministry into that. But a number of years ago, in fact, one of the first or second times that we ever taught it, some of the married people in the school said, I love this week. And it was amazing. But I understand why, but all the content was aimed at single people, and a lot of the questions we wanted to ask, we didn't want to ask in front of single students. So is there any way you could just do like a, a talk just for married couples? So we were like, sure. sure. So we started doing that, and then it snowballed every year. And it's, 
I was going to say it's a lot of fun. I always get a little bit anxious. You do. You get super nervous every single time that we do it. And then within a couple of days afterwards, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm glad we did that. Well, that's the next pattern. year, I'll let you teach the whole thing and no. we'll see how nervous you get. No, no, you're you're so good at it. <laughs> so I'll just do my segments. I just think it's very courageous of people to sign up for something they don't really know what it's going to be. People get to send in anonymous questions, which is always a joy. But it's <laughs> fun, in quotation marks. It's it's refreshing to have a group of people in a room and get to talk openly and frankly. And I think, I think if nothing else, though, what's wonderful is for, hopefully, for all the couples in that room, they now have other people they can talk to about things that we're always told you're not supposed to talk about. Right. You know, so, yeah, you can totally come and talk to us about it. But also there's... You know, there was 20 couples, I think, in the room, you know, so for them to be able to turn to those other people and also say, hey, you know, when they said that, like, you know, be able to have a discussion and not feel shame in being able to say, hey, I'd I'd love help. I'd love perspective. Uh, I just want to be able to talk about it and not feel bad. Yeah, I did say to them, you know, you're never going to be able to watch me preach again on a Sunday morning, having listened to this particular (laughs) set of talks tonight, which I really had a good giggle at. Yeah, it was good. That was our week. Quiet with a sex talk in the middle of it mm-hmm. and then me nearly burning the house down while trying to fix the sauna. It's true. It's really good. I, I played some Zelda uh, yesterday. Tell me about this because haven't you finished the the game? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've restarted it. Atta girl. So I, I didn't do master mode like you. I just thought I actually want to play the game again now that I know what all the buttons do and I'm not afraid, if that makes sense, and just play it with without a mission but just enjoy myself and explore things and not be in a hurry and all that kind of stuff so that's what i'm doing i'm just sort of meandering around and having fun and doing the favorite parts of the game that i had and i'm not really fighting bad guys or anything like that because that's not my favorite thing uh unless i need their body parts to upgrade some sort of armor which all sounds very strange but (laughs) i'm just having fun with that and i I realized yesterday, normally we have the small group leaders over to our house on Sunday and, uh, you know, one Sunday a month. And I thought I haven't actually had a day off, like a day to just chill. And I need that. And, you, mean, you mean since your vacation? Right. I mean, this week, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So, and I thought I, I actually need that. I need, I need, just need the space of that. And if we were to have them over today, what needed to happen was probably six hours of cleaning. And I thought I don't. I just can't. I don't have the energy. So it was fine. We took him out for lunch today, which was was a treat and it was fun. And it meant that I got to actually have a day off yesterday, which I think. So proud of you for prioritizing. I know. I never do that. Self-care is not selfish. It was so good. I was kind of proud of myself. So super proud of you. Thanks, babe. Well done. Our main topic. Yes. For this week is one of our favorite topics. Llamas and ice dancing. Oh my gosh. It's all about inner healing. (laughs) I was thinking like inner healing is so much part of our life now. I'm trying to think about a time when I didn't know about inner healing, which I can. I can think back that far, but trying to think about a good way of describing what inner healing is, why it's essential. You know, this is part of our Back to Basics series. This is what we would consider one of the top 10 fundamental things for all Christians to know about. And there's a surprising number of people in the church who either don't know about inner healing or think it's entirely unnecessary. But I've got... Oh, yeah, totally. I've got a Bible verse for you. Okay. Which I think sums up inner healing beautifully. Hit me with it. Well, I don't want to hit you, but I will share it with you. Okay, share it with me. Hebrews 10, verse 14. The writer of Hebrews says this, By one sacrifice, 
that's Jesus' death on the cross, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Yes. And this beautiful tension or this oxymoronic statement where we, by Jesus' death on the cross, we've been made perfect forever and yet we're still being made holy. Yeah. Yeah. So we're new, but we're being made new. Right. Yeah. Inner healing is, in one sense, part of the Christian walk where we are being made holy. Yeah. We're already made perfect through the death of Jesus on the cross, but we're learning to walk that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole thing of learning to put off the old man, like Paul writes about in Ephesians. Yeah. You're about to do Ephesians verse by verse. Yes, we are. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because um, I think... I think because inner healing is so much a part of our culture and our understanding and uh, probably the reason we are the way we are, who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's sometimes hard for me, like when people don't have a grid for inner healing to understand how they're actually how they're actually making it through life kind of thing. Like, right. what do you do when you hit trauma? Because I know what I do. I, I don't know what you do if you don't have a grid for inner healing. Well, it goes back to that part about when I first met you. I'm listening to your testimony, which is one of severe childhood trauma, childhood abuse, um, cross-addicted alcoholic parents, uh, just trauma everywhere you look in your childhood. Yeah. And then later on, um, just more trauma, 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 trauma. And you're sharing your testimony, which takes a week. Every day I hear more stuff. I'm just thinking, how are you still functioning? And the, the, the crazy thing is when I look at you, you're radiant. You're not telling this story as a, as a beat-up, rejected, haggard old victim. You're oh. this glorious, joyful, radiant, life-giving, hope-espousing wonder. And I'm like, how, how does the person in front of me measure up to the trauma that I've just heard about? And the answer would be... Inner healing. Inner healing. Yeah. You mentioned that verse, um, what is it? Putting off the old man? Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 22. Uh, Let me look it up. Uh, It says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That process of putting off your old self and being made new in the attitude of your mind, as, as I quote Paul, is one aspect of inner healing. Yeah. It's taking the work that Jesus did and applying it to the the inner parts of our life or the inner parts of our heart. Right. Psalm 51 verse 6 says, surely you desire truth in the innermost parts, for example. Right. And so a lot of the Christian culture I was raised in was really focused on your behavior. Inner healing focuses on your beliefs because... Right. All beliefs produce behaviors. Yeah, inner healing at its most basic level is about the Lord removing things that hinder us in our relationship with ourselves, with the Lord, and with other people. Help me understand that. Like, I know what you mean, obviously, because I'm fluent in the topic. But somebody who's listened to this who's never heard about inner healing, when you say it's, you know, inner healing is removing things that hinder us in our relationship to ourselves or to the Lord, talk about that. Well, I think under the canopy of inner healing, there's a whole bunch of different tools Mm -hmm. uh, that are part of us actually allowing the Holy Spirit 
to heal our hearts and set us free from the things that hold us back. So whether that's like forgiveness, which we've talked about a couple of podcasts ago, um, there's things like inner vows that we tend to make when we go through trauma that we need to actually disengage from. There's stuff like ungodly beliefs. Again, we've done a podcast on that. Uh, so we can link all those things in the show notes. But well, let me interrupt you for a second. It's easy to see how you went through trauma as a child. But what about the rest of us? Everybody's been through trauma. See, I think the mistake that we make is people compare pain and they sort of say, well, yes, that's pain. And so therefore I shouldn't feel X or I should be able, we should on ourselves all the time. Right. Right. Careful how you say that quickly. (laughs) So, so the deal is pain is pain is pain is pain. Right. And you don't have to have gone through uh, something like what I went through or and pe- and plenty of people have been through way worse than I've been through. Right. Uh, it, it's not really about that. If your heart registered pain, then probably you've registered a belief to go along with that pain because that's, we typically experience something and we start to believe something because we have to process it somehow. Right. And out of that usually ends up coming a whole bunch of different things. And whether that's bitter root judgments, whether that's ungodly beliefs, whether that's inner vows, we, we lay down train tracks that life is going to run on. And often later on, we wish that we hadn't, but we don't know how to rip up the tracks. And inner healing is ripping up the tracks. All right. You use a whole bunch of lingo there, which Sorry. I demystify. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Decodify. You're right. So when we go through trauma, yeah. especially as children, right. we God's given us this brilliant ability to dissociate from that pain. Like if the pain is too much, there's a part of us that can actually just separate when the pain is overwhelming yep. and we disconnect from the pain yep. and we often disconnect from ourselves. Yes. Um, even something not as extreme as that. We're hurt. The enemy loves to tell us lies about why we were hurt right. or the people who are hurt us or the pain that we're feeling. Yeah. And so we end up with a faulty understanding of the world and how it works. Right. Right. So you talk about a UGB, for example. What does that hip abbreviation stand for? It's an ungodly belief. So and an it's, ungodly belief would be what? An ungodly belief is something that appears to be absolutely true based on the facts of your experience, but is absolutely false based on God's word. For example, for example, things like I am unlovable or I am invisible. You absolutely are not. You know, scripture is really clear that you are loved with an everlasting love that I mean, Jesus died. He would have died for just you to have a relationship with the father. You are loved. You are chosen. You are seen. But life lies to us. And then the enemy comes along and wants to reinforce that. And if we keep listening, he'll just add as much reinforcement as he can to try and keep us in that box. So we have a, a, an experience, like we have a painful thing where perhaps we're rejected or it's our first day of kindergarten. We're overlooked. We're yeah. ignored. Right. And so we have this belief that forms that says, mm, I'm, I won't be noticed. I'll right. always be overlooked. I'll right. always be rejected. Yes. That usually tends to get rehearsed in our heads. Yes. And reinforced by situations that the enemy, you know, fosters. Yeah. And before we know it, we've built a track record where we can point to why that feeling is absolutely the truth of our life. Right. And then along comes a podcast like this where we're like, whoa, you don't actually have to believe that version of your life because that may be true for you, but it's not the truth of God's word. Right. And so you bring along this truth that you're not rejected. You're not, you don't need to be overlooked. Right. All these promises in Scripture about what the Holy Spirit would love to do for you, and you replace your wrong thinking with right thinking, 
and it begins to transform your life. Right. So we call that the belief expectation cycle, don't we? So we do. So something happens, you form a belief as a result of that, like the, you know, mm-hmm. I'm rejected, I will always be rejected. And that starts to determine your behavior because you're expecting to be rejected. Uh, you start to be the person that shrinks back and isn't seen or, you know, or whatnot. And then it, creates you 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 partner with an expectation this is always going to continue to happen and so you have another experience that reinforces that same wheel and you just keep going around and around around you go and out of that uh there's there's not just ungodly beliefs that come out of that there's there's other things like bitter root expectations and things like that yeah you're like so that belief expectation cycle that wounding let's start with judgment so out of that there are other things we use to keep our hearts, quote-unquote, safe. Yes. So we make judgments yep. about these big, bad, scary people, yep. but not realizing while there's some temporary satisfaction in making those judgments, we can work out, they are bad and I'm just a victim. The trouble is those judgments become so strong that they begin to direct the forces of our life to bring us harm yeah. and others harm. Yeah. Right? So I don't think we've taught about bitter root judgments or bitter root expectations. But basically when we judge and those judgments lie dormant, we foster bitterness and then they spring up and they cause a whole lot of trouble. And the most amazing thing with some of these things is sometimes we don't even realize that those judgments are there until way later on in life when something kind of triggers them, you know. So we may have, as kids, made judgments of our parents or whatever because of things that were going on, maybe judgments about their marriage or, you know, I'll never do that or I'll always right. do that, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Those are all inner vows, the, those examples. But we, we judge in some way. And then later on, we get married or we have kids and we find ourselves doing the exact things that we said, I'll never do. And they were all based in judgment. Or... We defile our spouse into doing the things we judged our opposite gender parent for. Right. So, for example, I judge my mother for doing something. So I've therefore judged the primary woman in my life. And I escape that judgment until I get married. Right. And as soon as I get married, that judgment comes back to bite me in the butt via you. So my judgment defiles you into behaving in a way that ensures I reap the judgment I made against my mom. So as a rather humorous example, my yes. mother would always forget her keys. And I remember, I must have judged her. I mean, in fact, I remember judging her for losing her keys, for being, I can't believe how foolish you are to lose your keys is ridiculous. And of course, judge my father for berating my mother for losing her keys all the time. Then we get married. And as soon as we get married, you, who are super organized, start losing your keys. Yes. And then I start berating you the way my father would berate my mother. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that's just an example. Now... Without inner healing... If, if I remember correctly, I remember turning on you one day and saying, will you please deal with whatever judgments you have against your mother so I can find my keys? Because I'd never had this problem before. Exactly. <laughs> and it worked, didn't it? Uh, it, uh, it absolutely did. So that would just be one... That's just one of the many things that we talk about with inner healing. You, so we talked about bitter judgments. We talked about ungodly beliefs. Talk to me about the problem with with judgments and unforgiveness. I know we've talked about unforgiveness before, but just just mention the problems that stem from refusing to forgive. Well, there's there's um something called the law of judging and receiving. So, usually any time that we are unwilling to forgive, it's there's a judgment in there somewhere. Like so we have decided I'm not going to forgive you because you are X whatever X is. Right. You are horrible, you are mean, you are whatever. 
And so those things are judgment statements. Uh, and the problem with that is the second that you enter into judgment, you step away from mercy, don't right. you? So um, it's it's a bad cycle to be a part of. And very likely what you will receive back is more of what you have accused the other one of. And judgment is also responsible for an enormous amount of physical sickness. Yeah. And it attracts demonic oppression like like nobody's business. Yeah. I mean, if we could get rid of judgment and sugar, probably most people would be well. <laughs> Easy tiger, Sorry. easy tiger. <laughs> so yeah, when we talk about inner healing, it's this umbrella term for undoing all of the damage through Jesus's great provision on the cross. Yeah. Can you think back to when you got saved. Can you think of anything that... Think back, way back. <laughs> but, you know, you listen to people's testimonies and miraculous things happen when they get saved. Like they instantly give up cigarettes or they're freed from addiction or... Can you remember anything that happened to you when you got saved, like a like a, a sovereign act of grace that happened on your life? I mean, apart from you know the gift of eternal life, I'm talking about. Didn't you stop cussing? No, I didn't stop cussing. Not a girl. I uh, I that kind I had... only comes out by prayer and fasting. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> yeah, I had a foul foul mouth, and I mean it's it's amazing. I wasn't a much more violent individual, but my violence came out uh, with words. No. Oh. Uh, yes. Um, so, no, I, I didn't. I just didn't cuss at church. Oh, yeah. out of girl performance. Yeah. And then it was it was actually a couple years later, uh, you know, after I'd sort of gotten in a, in a at the church in Toronto and uh, was getting inner healing and all that kind of stuff where the Lord started talking to me about the overflow of my heart and, he, you know, just was so kind about it, not judgmental or anything, but like, hmm seems like the overflow of your heart is really a lot of anger, you know? Right. And uh, that was when I, I started to realize just how angry I was about everything. I always thought I wasn't an angry person, but I was furious. So I, you know, got to go on the journey of, of uh, uh, unhooking from all of that, right? Um, which I'd built up over years. My point in saying all that is when we get saved, there's some things that God does sovereignly, mm-hmm. and then there's other stuff that seems to be walking out. And that tends to help explain the 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 extreme reactions that you get towards inner healing. For example, there's some churches that uh, just don't believe in inner healing. They have no grid for it. It's right. just like, you know, everything's done at the cross. Yeah. We don't need to talk about the old man. It's dead and buried. We can just get on with the rest of our life. And then at the other end of the, uh, the spectrum, you've got churches who think that there's a demon behind every bush. and Right, which also isn't helpful totally. at all. Yeah. So you end up with this, like, you know, huge scale. I think the best balance is that verse. I forget where it's from, where it says that God has given us everything we need for a godly life through Jesus. Yeah. Forget where that is, Peter. I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. But but Jesus gave us everything we need for life and godliness. Yes. But if I meet you and I'm like, "Hey, AJ, how are you?" and you're like, "Oh, I'm just doing terrible. I'm about to be evicted from my house. I don't have any money," and I wire you a million dollars, and I see you in two weeks' time, and you've been evicted, I might be wondering, "But I gave you the resources." Even though you had the resources, you still had to apply those resources to right. your area of need. Right. And so it's true. Jesus has given us everything we need. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. But we actually do need to walk with the Lord in process. So you find the New Testament littered with verses that tell us to do inner healing. Now, they don't use the phrase inner healing, but listen to this verse. This is Ephesians 4, verse 30. Paul is writing to Christians in Ephesus. So he's writing to believers, Mm -hmm. and he says this, 
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul is writing to Christians here and literally imploring them to do inner healing. Hey, hey stop having bar fights and uh, being mad at each right. other. <laughs> He's telling them to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, etc. Et right. Why? Because apparently all that stuff didn't just disappear when they got saved. That's right. There was issues that were still presenting. And he's like, those issues are not fitting for people who've been made perfect. Right. And in the process of being made perfect, even though you are made perfect, we're told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Paul writes that again in in Philippians 2.12. So you see all the way through Scripture this beautiful balance of partnering with the Lord to accomplish all that he's already paid for. Yeah, Paul also tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which means there's work to be done in renewing our minds. Because we have stinking thinking. Right. And all beliefs produce behaviors. Right. So it's like doing a a thought life audit. Right. It's always interesting to me when people say, well, no, no, you know, all that stuff died with the old man. And I'm thinking, usually if you ask those people, if you ask their family if all that stuff died with the old man, they'll say, I'm still living with the old man. They (laughs) resurrect the old man on a daily basis. That's right. (laughs) Hooray! How about we go for a new man that God is creating in us? I I go back to our friend Chip Judd who said, you know, surely one of the side effects of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we become nicer people. Right. Surely it is. I know Christians who know the Bible really, really well, but are horrible to dine out with. I mean, they treat servers horribly shocking and i'm like wait you're a walking representative of the kingdom of god like or you know they're they're, they can preach wonderfully on stage but are horrible to their wife and kids behind closed doors right well isn't that what chip said he it remember he was at that yeah he was at a pastor's conference and he stood up and he said i don't care how many people are in your church or how you know how big your church is show me your wife and your kids and i'll tell you the measure of man that you are Yikes. And it's just like, I mean, the place just went dead silent. <laughs> like, ooh. yeah. So are you ever done with the journey of inner healing? No, I don't think so. Isn't I mean, that, when you die, yes, you're done. Is that not depressing <laughs> for you then? No, no. I think, um, I think it's hard when you start. It feels really overwhelming when you first start hearing about inner healing, because all of a sudden you can identify a whole bunch of places where you have been stolen from for years. Right. And you had no idea. And you've no called idea. that normal life. Yes. P.S. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, places where you've been triggering and all these things where you're like, man, I don't get it. Like, I fasted. I've prayed. I spent time with the Lord. I'm still triggering. Then you hear about inner healing and you're like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. I've been being robbed. But to begin with, I remember feeling really overwhelmed by like, Lord, I know what a mess my heart is. Right. And this feels like the overwhelming task, you know. But the good thing is the Holy Spirit leads you through it so beautifully. Oh, that actually that's the best part. Freedom is so much easier than you think. Right. Um, so I, I'm not discouraged by the fact that it keeps going because I think as long as you live with other humans, there's the potential for hurt. And what does happen is we get much better at working the process through quickly, and then it doesn't eat our lunch like it used mm-hmm. to. Yeah. I think the problem is, I remember when I first did the school in Toronto and, and received some systematic teaching on inner healing. Yeah. It was that whole thing of what you don't know is great. But then when you start learning stuff that you didn't know, you're like, oh God, how much more 
do I not know? Yeah. And that feeling has accompanied me my whole life. So I remember we went away and did a week's intensive inner healing a number of years ago. And we were like, we were genuinely not trying to be the people of like, uh, we, we teach this, we're good. Like, that's folly. But right. at the same time, we were like, we teach this. You know, we try and keep short accounts with God and with man. I don't know what they're going to find. And then, boy, they found a ton. And I was like, <laughs> wait, all that was, like, how much else is there? And right. even in this season, you know, I've been in uh, seeing a counselor for a year and a bit and been in group counseling, which has been this new facet of like, uh, I didn't know how out of touch I was with myself. Like, that's, this is like startling. With your own emotions. With my own emotions, with my own feelings, all my ungodly beliefs related to feelings. Well, I think we just thought you're just not a particularly emotional individual. Oh, yeah, we're great at finding (laughs) justification for our sinful nature. Right. You know, we really are. Like when Jack Deere was on here a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about, no, no, I, I, I thought my whole life I wasn't angry. I just like things being done in a particular way. Right. And the rest of the world's an idiot. Right. Right. And then he realized, oh, that's anger. Oh, dear. Yeah. So part of the beauty of pain is it actually gives us motivation to change. Yes. Yeah. So, as yeah. long as we don't just try and feed it more food or oh, or blame everybody else or blame everybody else or drink or do any of the other things that we do to run from actually dealing with ourselves yeah if we will not let pain hinder our progress it produces beautiful things yeah for sure yeah what about like what i mean in the years that we've been alive and been pro advocates of inner healing we've experienced a bunch of stuff uh, what resources could we give people who are listening who are like uh, inner healing sign me up Oh, gosh. Uh, There's so many sort of different formats for inner healing, and I would say all of them have great value, uh, probably, you know, in different seasons or for different types of things. Right. Um, So, you know, if if you go to Grace Center, we have the Revive uh, sessions where you can go and get personal ministry and... Uh, those people are tooled up with a number of different ways of walking you through hurt. Right. Um, We have our encounter weekends, which we run maybe three or four weekends a year, and we've now just started opening them up to non-Grace Center members. So if you keep an eye on gracecenter.us and you happen to live here in the States and you see an encounter weekend coming up, that's one of the best introductions you can have to inner healing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's something called Heart Sync. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, heart sync is, is amazing too. It's, I still am trying to get my head around it. It's, it's a very different kind of format for inner healing, but I think it's really effective. I'd agree. Uh, and I think you can, we could probably put in a website where you could get information about, mm-hmm. uh, heart sync. Um, there's RTF. Which is one of our favorites. It is one of the most thorough format ministry sessions that are out there. It's basically a week or three days, five days if you're married, three days if you're single, of, it's like going to the spa for your soul. Yeah. It really transforms the foundations of your life. Everything we've been talking about is is covered in the RTF week. I, I, I'd highly recommend one of those weeks. Yeah, RTF stands for Restoring the Foundations. And I think one of the things that's particularly brilliant about RTF is that you don't actually have to know what's going on with you. You just have to know you want change. Um, yeah. And they help you figure it out. So exactly. it's it's really great um, for that kind of thing. So uh, well, you've been going to group therapy yeah, my adventures in group therapy have been amazing. I, I mean, I went there basically because my counselor suggests, no, he said, you know what would really benefit you is group counseling. 
And I was thinking, you know what would really benefit you is a warm glass of shut the heck up. <laughs> but then I realized, wait, I've gone to this person for their expert opinion. And if they're recommending group counseling, despite the fact I'd rather bathe in my own vomit than do something like that, I'll try it. Right. And, and now? And now I love it. It's yeah. like one of the highlights of my week. I can't wait to get there. It's phenomenal. The 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 transformation that it brings, it's 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 unbelievable i'm a huge proponent of that um but yeah so like everything in the kingdom the the dive think about food the diverse options for nutrition for your body are enormous yes right just this plethora of foods that you can choose from to feed your body the same with inner healing there is a wide ranging gift set out there uh, that is all focused on getting ensuring that Jesus gets everything he paid for. Yeah. I think, honestly, also, I would recommend the school. The School of Supernatural for Life. sure. We have such a huge inner healing component, and we cover such a wide range uh, of tools and, and ways to get free and all that kind of stuff that, honestly, my favorite part of getting to do the school and teach on the school is seeing the transformation from the beginning of the school to the end of the school. Absolutely. It is unbelievable. Uh, so that's another uh, way that you could uh, look for transformation and mm-hmm. pursue it. And is it worth noting that the School of Supernatural Life, the uh, of course we do a week on inner healing, but actually the whole eight months of the school is saturated yes. with a focus of the Father's love and healing yeah. of our hearts. Yeah. So no matter what's being taught, there's there's that emphasis being woven through every. Yeah, and the people topic. that come in have a grid for it, mm-hmm. and you know are walking in that. So that's that's one of the things that's great about it. And actually, applications are open for next year. Which, Look at that. Yeah. I put a link yep. in the show notes. If you would like to spend eight months in gorgeous Nashville, Tennessee, watching <laughs> the seasons change, yeah, literally it is beautiful and spiritually, here. Yep. And spend eight months just going deeper with the Lord. We would highly recommend the school and not just because we teach on it and help lead it. It is an amazing environment that facilitates change in the kindest possible way to your heart. Yeah. I think the benefit, as we wrap this up, the benefit of inner healing is you feel more connected to yourself. You get to feel your feelings, tell the truth about your feelings identify your needs mm-hmm. you feel more connected with god if, yeah. if we're not careful we've spent a lifetime hardening our heart to keep us free from pain only to find that we have a hard time receiving god's affection well, because we're in a pain cage now right yeah. his affection lands on the soft fleshy heart yeah and we've hardened it with a heart of stone to just keep pain out and then we find ourselves more connected to one another as well. We can yeah. freely give and freely receive. Yeah. So you can love your spouse better and love your kids better and have more grace for your strange family members and your weird aunt and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it's transformational. Just, just in case any of my aunts are listening, we're talking about AJ's aunts. Yeah, we're talking about my aunts. I don't aunts. have weird aunts. First okay? <laughs> Thessalonians 5, verse 23 says this beautiful thing. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Basically, inner healing is a process of sanctification. Yeah. And it's the work of the Lord. It's not for us to go digging in the garden of our soul. It says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Inner healing is something the Lord does, 
but we partner with him to ensure he receives everything he paid for on the cross. Yeah. And all that happens is our lives get upgraded. Yep. So we want to thank our patrons for supporting us and helping us be able to create these episodes for you every week. This week, we're going to thank Andrew for being a patron. If you'd like to become a patron, go to alanandaj.com slash support to learn how. Our Finding Father books are on the way from our publisher, just in time for Christmas shopping. If you follow us on Twitter or Instagram at at Alan and AJ, you can learn when they get here, which should be sometime this week. We've been out of stock, but like I said, they're going to be in and ready for order. Other than that, have an incredible week, and we'll be back next week, God willing, talking about physical healing. Faith, life, communication. Tacos and video games Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their Experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone